Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. I mean, here's a guy that criticizes everybody, whoever they take. He's got the answers to uh, who you should take and who you shouldn't take. And all of a sudden, he's an expert. He's in our paper two days ago telling us who we have to take. Welcome back here on The First Team. I'm Joe DeLeon. Joining me, as always, is former college and NFL QB, founder of The Sims Complete QB, Matt Sims. Also joining us, as always, Irish Breakdown recruiting analyst Ryan Roberts. Today, we've got a lot of guys that we're going to be covering. We had massive performances for teams that maybe they're back. That's the reoccurring cliche that has been brought up this week. But we're going to break down <laughs> players that were a part of key performances for Texas's win over Alabama. And we're also going to dive deep on Miami's big win over Texas A&M. Both very unexpected because of the performances of talented guys that maybe weren't just hitting their stride just yet. I want to start us off, guys, by talking about uh, the duo of Jatavion Sanders, who ended up going for five receptions and 114 yards, a really big 50-yard reception that was a critical point in that game, as well as his quarterback, Quinn Ewers, who completion percentage wasn't super sexy, 24 for 38, but he did throw for 349 yards and three touchdowns. A lot of really good stuff from both these guys, a lot of things with these guys where we have projected and said if they can hit their stride, they can be big-name players in the 2024 NFL Draft. And that's the type of performance that you're going to need to start building some momentum. I want to kick it over to Ryan first. And I, I kind of want to get your angle on Jatavion Sanders because leading up to the week, we were actually texting a little bit about Sanders because yeah. before the season, we were concerned that maybe he wasn't as much of a blocker. And he started to show some of that stuff on film. Yeah, no, he did, it, which is a great thing to see because I think the athletic traits were always there. I mean, there was a reason he was a five-star recruit, recruit coming out of high school and staying obviously at Texas. I mean, there were some teams when he was coming out as a recruit that wanted him on the defensive side of the ball and not the offensive side of the ball. Like he could have very well been a defensive end for a lot of different programs, but stays in Texas playing tight end for the Longhorns. And Joe, we saw a whole lot of potential, obviously, as a true sophomore last year, a guy that was over 600 yards, over 50 receptions last year for Texas. But I think the best area of his game was just kind of exemplified in this one, man. It's the mm. after catch ability. It's, it's difference, right? For a guy that is around six foot four, 250 plus pounds now was about 245 before the season. This is a player that makes his living off of creating big plays when the football is in his hand. He's kind of that modern tight end, you know, like most tight ends used to be guys that would do their work before the catch and at the catch point. That was kind of the impact they had. But now with the, George Kittles of the world and the Travis Kelsey's of the world, guys that can really make things happen after the catch. That's what Jatavion Sanders kind of brings to the table. So former five-star, over 100 yards, over 20 yards a catch, continually made explosive plays, but they weren't ex easy explosive plays. They're not plays where you're wide open on a tight end leak 20, 30 yards downfield. He had to work for his yardage, and he was a guy that we saw a lot of talented second and third level defenders for Alabama that could not counteract Jatavion Sanders in this game. 
Quinn Yurz's performance, though, was massive in this game. And one of the things that has always been a struggle for him is wait, wait, connecting wait. Before, on the- before we get there, before we get there, can we, can we name this show when you post it, the fall of the SEC? Can we no, do that No, shut up. Shut up. <laughs> Everyone's talking about that and saying that. So if you want to just join the, you know, the pot, I don't disagree with you. I've gone as far as to say that I'm not SEC biased. Like you keep trying to make it, but what conference um, is Texas going to next year though? Yeah, that's true. They're so not, they're, yeah, not now. they're not it's now that it's not falling. Yeah. It's actually getting yeah. better. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. Answer the question, story. Ryan. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't even answer <laughs> the question. Texas. They need Texas and Oklahoma because the SEC is very overrated. So like, please guys oh come God. help us out here, man, please. <laughs> yeah, definitely. definitely. Yeah. When they add Florida state, we'll, we'll, you know, we'll continue to say that they're overrated. Um, Getting back to Quinn Ewers, though, I thought that Quinn Ewers did one thing that he has been super inconsistent on, and if not since his injury, he's actually been pretty weak, which is connecting on the deep ball. I think the number against Rice, which is supposed to be a warm-up game for them, he was like 0 for 7 on uh, deep air, air passes down the field. And he was able to hit that one ball that he threw to Xavier Worthy, was perfect placement, the ball came out of his hand really quick. Matt, I, I know that getting to see that stuff for you was probably pretty pretty exciting. What did you get from uh, from Quinn yours? Yeah, I thought Quinn really just displayed the fact that he he really had that experience. He's been in a lot of big games. I think his injury and all that really played a big part too in his performance and his focus. Credit to him as a personal uh, like his personal development too off the field. You know, I know we we've discussed and joked about the cutting of the mullet and all that kind of stuff, but. You know, even if you look at just his roster pictures for the past few years, it's really interesting to see the fact that he's kind of like, you know, he's Mr. Cool, he's Mr. Cool, and then all of a sudden he's like just like a happy football player in this most recent one. So uh, I credit this young man and just his approach to the game, his approach to his own personal life and development. It seems like he really has taken a step forward as far as improving himself internally as much as externally. And, um, and and it really showed. It really did. He was calm. He was cool. He was composed the entire game. He made great decisions throughout the game. And uh, and that's what you need for a signal caller. You need a guy that is steadfast like that. And we always knew that he had that raw talent and that ability to throw the ball beautifully like he did. And it doesn't hurt either that you got guys like Jatavion Sanders running routes for you, Xavier mm-hmm. Worthy, who is just an unbelievable football player. Jordan Whittington is is another fantastic football player. And then Steve Sarkeesian being able to, you know, manipulate defenses and create these great opportunities for then Quinn Ewers to execute and take advantage of. So fantastic team effort. And I give all the credit in the world to Quinn and his own personal development. And that's why he was able to shine this last weekend. Joe, I would like to revisit a conversation that we had before the season. I believe – a young Ryan Roberts and a young Matt Sims both came on this podcast and said, "Okay, we think the best is still ahead of Quinn Ewers. He's going to take a massive step forward. I remember this conversation happening, Joe. I remember it because we forget in all the madness and the hype of Quinn Ewers because we know the backstory, right? The top rated recruit ever by 247 Sports coming out of the state of Texas. I literally had a perfect score from the recruiting rankings. Decides to reclassify, to be a year older so that he can go basically to go up to Ohio State, cash in on NIL, and then come back to college when it's legal now in Texas, right? So he did that for a year, comes down to Texas. The first year was very up and down, had some really good moments like Alabama, like the bowl game, had some very down moments as a fr- as a sophomore. But what we forgot in that chaos there 
is that he didn't play two years ago. He right. basically lost a year of development, and he was basically a freshman mm. last year. So this right. year, I believe, was the year that he was really going to take a step forward, and he showed that against Alabama. And yes, he is set up. I, I think it's a great note, Matt. He is set up to be a very good player in the system that he's in because he is under Steve Sarkeesian, who's one of the best offensive minds in all of college football. He has guys like Xavier Worthy and Jatavion Sanders and A.D. Mitchell and Jordan Whittington and and Isaiah Nayer, and he's got a lot of very big-time talent around him. So he's in a situation. But I think the thing that we saw this offseason, which is why I thought Quinn was going to take a step forward, is it seemed like he was kind of super laser-focused, right? Like people make fun of the mullet thing, right, him shaving it off. But I felt like he was a lot more focused this offseason than what we had seen him previously. And he's really only a sophomore in college when we really think about it from an age perspective. Yes, he's a junior right. off of eligibility. But taking this step forward, I think you saw a lot of great signs against Alabama. You saw him play well against Alabama last year. And, of course, he got injured during that football game. But really showing this on a full game scope now, if he's able to stay healthy this year, the entirety of the year, and Texas is able to stay healthy – this is a dangerous football team that has as much talent as almost anybody in the country. And speed, too, which is something that I feel yeah. like it was the real difference maker in that Alabama game. They looked faster on both sides of the football, and speed really is the name of the game in college football and really all of football, no matter what level you're at. If you're a fast team, you have a great advantage. Um, and, and I really just love the fact of how they attacked Alabama's defense, too. You know, their strategy seemed like, let's get the football out of our hands very quickly. Let's change tempos throughout the game, too, so we can kind of keep Alabama and a certain personnel on the field consistently. And then the formations and motions, which are extremely difficult to line up in. You saw Alabama very frustrated multiple times on the field because of the fact that some of the linemen that Texas was given were, were a little complicated. You saw a lot of tight sets. You saw a lot of bunch sets. You saw a lot of motions into bunches and squeeze sets. And and I think those things are very overwhelming for a group that Mm. had missing pieces in the secondary to communicate that, especially in live time, especially when they're also pushing the tempo. So uh, credit to Sarkeesian and and Quinn Owers for really being on the same page and executing the, the way that they did. And it's really exciting. Texas has a really good football team. And we didn't even get to talk about their running back room. Their running back room has improved too. Yeah. And they really didn't show a lot of their running back screens, some of the other things that they've done. But it's uh, it's a lot of creativity, and it's really going to be something, you know, for Quinn is his development of a potential NFL football player one day. He's running an NFL offense right now. These are concepts that Sarkeesian is running that he was – copying Payson when he came to Atlanta with us. We had just went to the Super Bowl the year before. He was asking Matt Ryan, me, and Matt Schaub, hey, what was Kyle thinking on this play, this play, and this play? And you could see his brain was like, whoa, these are really great concepts. I really am excited to add these things to my my repertoire as far as a coach. And he's continued to carry them on through his years at Alabama and now at Texas. So it's really cool to see that influence that he's had from that NFL level. A big reason why I'm super high, though, on Texas, and I think you guys both make really good points here, why I'm now high on them to to finish off the job and win the Big 12, we obsess in the media and even some you know fans do as well over you know what we call a arm talent. You know, it's such a vague term, but what that really does mean is, you know, how far can you drive the ball down the field and how effectively you can do that, what type of speed that you put on the ball. I have always thought that if Quinn 
can be more consistently accurate deep down the field, that they have the type of offense and offensive weapons to be difficult to stop. There are not a lot of quarterbacks in college football that can deliver the ball as well as he can when he's consistently accurate. It is so hard to defend when you've got receivers who can stretch the field and a guy can get them the ball as quickly as possible and the thing's not hanging up there. It's not floating. Um, it's not slow to get to the receiver or it's underthrown. He delivers it with pace and with pretty good accuracy the way that he did against Alabama is an indicator to me that he's going to be more confident and then eventually can do some really great things the rest and, of the season. And just one quick comment on that. Yeah. You know, just for everyone that that does listen to this, especially young quarterbacks too, you know, the only way to get better at throwing it deep is by throwing it deep more. Right. So, you know, the further <laughs> you throw it down the field, the, the percentage of your completion percentage are potentially going to go down. But at the same time, credit to the coaching staff and credit to believing in his natural talent of continuing to try to develop him and, and really make that skill better than what it was. So that's really something important too. You know, hey, you don't start out as a great three-point shooter, you know. You got to continue to shoot the damn thing to get better at it. So I credit for them for continuing to take their shot and getting better at it with repetition. And, and I, I think that this offensive that we're seeing for Texas, I think it is very sustainable too. Sorry, Joe. Because I'm sorry, <laughs> Joe. But I, I think that this is a decent note of you talk about the ability to drive the football down the field and create explosive plays. It's very important, obviously. But there's a sustainability that needs to work, right? I mean, if a team is just good at throwing deep and they are struggle on the short to intermediate stuff and the quick game, then they're not going to be a sustainable offense because you need all areas. And I think that right. what Texas brings is that that wide receiver group, that pass catching group, I should say, in general, they bring kind of a – Nice balance to the table, right? You have Xavier mm. Worthy, A.D. Mitchell that can stretch the field vertically, but then you have Jatavion Sanders, Jordan Whittington that are more of the after-catch players who can work short to intermediate. So All I right, think that Ryan, really Ryan, we balance. get it. We so get I'm it. Sorry. We love you, Ryan. <laughs> Joe, Joe's ready to kill us right now. We told you we should have done a whole episode on Texas, We're, man. All right, here we right. go. This, this is what I said beforehand. Uh, I was just about to say, thank you, Ryan, though, for the, the, the added context. Um, Back, Joe. Let's move on. <laughs> um... I'm scratching Anthony Hill, by the way. We're not going to get to Anthony Hill, sadly. If he has yeah, another we'll great game, yep. we're going to put him up on the list, and he's somebody to monitor. It's kind of like <laughs> with Shadur Sanders. I think eventually, maybe after that Oregon game, we'll talk about Shadur Sanders, which is another big name this season. <laughs> um, Miami, though, had a really massive game, and I, I think that there's two players who really shined, and then there's one who um, we didn't even write down that I want to bring up. But the, the two big ones was – First, Tyler Van Dyke. I coming into the game, you know, I was going off of what he had done in his last performances. He had been very inconsistent. I know that he was had been told he was dealing with some hand injuries or something along those lines. And one of my biggest qualms with with Van Dyke is that it just felt like he forced a lot of throws that weren't there. He was always a little bit delayed in his decision making. The pick that he threw against Miami of Ohio was, you know, perfect example of him just not really seeing the field the way that you want a quarterback who's been around as long as he has to see the field. So I wasn't super bullish on his performance against Texas A&M leading into the game. After he played, though, I ate my words. The guy played out of his mind. He ends up finishing uh, with a seven, oh, sorry, 21 for 30, 374 yards and five touchdowns, and he was just really connecting in an easy, easy rhythm with his receivers. One of his receivers, I'm, I'm completely blanking on the kid's name, is it – um, 
Is it Colby Young, that really big, massive kid that, Colby, that had Colby Young's the big one, and then Xavier Restrepo is the number seven, the little slot. And Jacoby George played extremely well too. Yeah, yeah I, I want to bring up though the Colby Young. The is, is Colby? I'm trying to make sure that I've got the yeah. right guy. He's like yes, six, it's five, number, six, it's six. number four. He's huge. Yeah, Colby yeah. Young completely opened my eyes though. Like I didn't even really know anything about him, and just to see how big of a player he was, getting as open as he was, the yards after catch ability that he had, that dude's going to be really freaking good. Um, but besides all those points, some of the takeaways that you guys had, Ryan, we'll go to you first from the Miami game. Yeah, I mean, I think that it's always been about consistency with Tyler Van Dyke over the last two years. We have seen some very good of Tyler Van Dyke. We've seen some very bad, and we've seen kind of everything in between. I think that he was kind of set back last year, obviously, with the change in offensive coordinator. When he had Rhett Lashley, looked pretty good, right? But then, of course, they changed to Josh Gaddis last year, and it was a disaster. So then you go to Shannon Dawson this offseason. Everything is looking like it's a whole lot better as far as consistently understanding what we are trying to accomplish offensively. It's an identity factor, right? Like I think there was a lack of identity last year. I think they now understand these are our guys. This is how we want to operate. This is what we're trying to do. And as long as Tyler Van Dyke's comfortable, I think Kyle Van Dyke's going to be a very successful quarterback in the college game. It's just about that comfort that you need to find. I mean, Matt, I'm sure that you could speak to the – like as a quarterback feeling comfortable in the system and in your own skin is a very important thing. You need to be able to operate and be comfortable with what you're seeing, what you're trying to accomplish, kind of the whole process to get to the end means. So I think Tyler Van Dyke did that there. Mm. And we saw that this team was probably more talented than we thought they were last year. I mean, I, I'll be very honest. I watched them against Pitt last year and I was like, I don't think this Miami team's a very talented football team, but I think it was an identity issue more than anything last year. And, you know, give that offensive coaching staff, give that coaching staff in general a, a little bit of credit here. After a really down year, they came out and they played a really good football game against a team that on paper is probably more talented than them. But I think Miami has an identity, unlike what Texas A&M is dealing with right now. Yeah, I think you you hit it perfectly right there. I mean, Tyler Van Dyke really did a great job of performing, taking what the defense gave him on multiple occasions, too. I mean, he didn't force anything, but and also, too, just Shannon Dawson. You know, multiple times in the game where I feel like he he made it very simple for for Tyler to display his his natural physical attributes. You know, the guy is big and strong in the pocket. He throws a beautiful football, very much like Quinn Ewers. And there were multiple times where they just took one-on-one shots and very similar to Quinn. They hit these, and they hit them mm. for big explosive plays and game-changing plays. So um, it is something that I think Miami definitely, like Ryan said, is establishing and, and has a little bit more of an identity. Their culture seems to be a little bit more set in stone now. Mario Cristobal really does have, I think, the pulse of the team and kind of what they're looking for and their identity too. Um, and they really have a, a great opportunity with the skill players that they have, with Tyler Van Dyke throwing the way that he did. Um, to, to go into the weekend uh, or go into uh, their game against North Carolina 5 and0 potentially um you know they gotta their next game is Bethen, uh, Bethune Cookman excuse yes, me on Thursday and then Georgia Tech after that I believe and then they go into UNC after that so this is a team that really could have a lot of momentum building and um and, and rightfully so because there are you know really big strong offensive line in front of Tyler. 
Tyler Van Dyke, which I love. You know, it's hard to get around big bodies, even if they're not great pass blockers. It's still got to move them out of the way. So that's always important. The creativity of the offense by Dawson is extremely impressive. And also at the same time, it's simple for the quarterback to operate at a high level. So with their players, Restrepo, George, and Young, uh, I like a lot of what I saw from Miami this weekend. This is a game that they very easily could have lost, but they did a great job of at least playing tough at home, creating opportunities when they were there, and then just balling out on certain occasions like that. And the, the touchdown before – or the field goal, excuse me, before half was extremely important for them. And then the fact that they came out with all the energy in the world in the second half and just continued to roll was pretty impressive. So Tyler Van Dyke, with the consistency of the quarterback position, uh, excuse me, with the offensive coordinator position, I think is in a really good spot to continue his upward trend and have a really solid season. On top of that, though, Cameron Kitchens, I thought, was uh, a very impressive player. I thought Matt Ryan was trying to talk to us, but he wasn't. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> uh, Cameron Kitchens, though, I think has been impressive in these first two games. And I think in general that defense has a lot of first-round caliber type players that if they hit their potential, like Leonard Taylor's another guy that I'm very high on. But Kitchens, man, I, I just continue to see, and I know that he went out of the game with, a, with an injury. I don't know what his timeline to get back. He is going to be important for them down the line because he's a really good coverage player. I've seen him you know, fly upfield downhill at full speed to make some plays. He ends up finishing that game with four tackles and an interception. I know the interception was him benefiting from a scenario of a receiver falling down, but still I continue to see a guy that is aggressive and is going to make those plays all over the field. His recovery and his return timetable is going to be very, very important for this team. No, I think you, you, you hit it perfectly. And, and this is really just, again, just an extension to, I think, of their head coach and, and really just the fact that it, it seems like their entire unit on both sides, right? They're just playing complimentary football. Uh, James Williams, nine tackles, five solo on the game. Um, Corey Flagg Jr. had a great sack in the game, too. Um, so they're, they're doing a good job of at least – you know, multiple players getting into the game, creating plays, creating matchup opportunities, and maybe not the best defensive performance, you know, but still with a new offensive coordinator and Bobby Petrino over there at Texas A&M, there's still a lot of unknowns. So I think for going against an offense where you're not really exactly sure what they are yet because it's such an early part of his tenure there, I think they did a really good job of kind of covering all of their bases and just playing really solid fundamental defense all around. So that'll be very important for them to, to win their conference. I, I think when I, when I talk about this defense for Miami, I, the word advantageous kind of comes to mind. I think they've yeah. three turnovers in the game. I know mm. the running back had a fumble. I believe the quarterback Wegman threw two interceptions, if I remember yes, correctly. He did. He right? did. So, yes, he did. Couch had yeah. the second one. Yep. So you had three intercept, three total turnovers forced in that football game. And I really think that that was kind of what was missing in Miami last year is that, again, there was talent. But outside of Cameron Kitchens last year, not a lot of turnovers were being forced. Not a lot of big yeah. plays were being made. You needed guys that were able to step up and make those game-changing type plays. Obviously, Cameron Kitchens made one of them off a turnover, but he also had a very good game overall. But I think it really comes down to, like you said, Matt, Corey Flagg Jr. had a big game in this football game. There was a forced fumble on the running back in the run game. And I thought Connor Wakeman actually looked pretty good for Texas A&M, but unfortunately they forced him into – you know, one bad mistake, and then obviously the receiver falling down on the other. So I really think that it was just about a defense that wants to create turnovers, be advantageous, and let their 
potentially high-powered offense continue to have possessions. No, I'm not, not going to look. I forgot this too really quickly too, but Brashard yeah. Smith with a 98-yard kickoff return. So that's another Massive. aspect. Playing, playing complementary football in all three phases, extremely important for the Miami Hurricanes. I'm not going to let this open a bag of worms as we're coming up on time, but talk about Go the ahead. differences of one coach setting up his quarterback for success and one with Weigman being set up for a really shaky game, not being put in the most advantageous I, spots. I, that I, is I a good that, conversation. Man, I think, that, kid, I think that kid's a good football player, man. I hope yes. that whatever happens in Texas Hung out to they figure it out, whether it's yeah. him leaving or figuring it out offensively. We'll see. How do you end the show like that? We got to, I mean, we got to all week now. <laughs> to, positive you know. vibes. Positive <laughs> vibes. Hashtag fire Jimbo. Okay. Yeah. Oh, God. Wow. You heard it here, Ryan. <laughs> we'll be back, everybody. Enjoy your weekend. Toodles. Make sure you check out Bet Online for all of your sports betting needs. For anything that I do betting related, I go on over to betonline.ag and I use promo code BELIEVE50. BetOnline has all of the latest updated odds for the NFL and college football seasons. Anything you need, whether it's futures, live in-game betting, no matter what, your football betting needs are met at BetOnline. And again, make sure you use that promo code BELIEVE50, B-L-E-A-V-5-0 to get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.